Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely and talented wife, Miss Southern Shell, Tyler on the boards. Shell, it's raining outside. How are you doing today? Good. Do you is, know? Is the rain messing with your hair or anything? <laughs> <laughs> I, the rain works with my hair. Hey, I got me a fresh cut yesterday. I I'm know. Good. <laughs> got the beard trimmed up. See, I thought you were going no shave to November. I was, was going to do November. it. I was going to do all hunting season. I was just going to let it see how wild I would get, but it got wild in like a month. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I'm tired of this. She did a good job. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the man, Miss Jody at the Man Cave and Olive Branch. If y'all ever need a good haircut in your Olive, Olive Branch area, go see Jody. That wasn't even paid thing. I pay her. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Today is National Podcast Day. Is it really? Yeah, that's Whoa. what Katie I didn't me. know that. National mm-hmm. Podcast Day. Well, we're we're sitting here podcasting, yeah. so that's a good what thing. Else what else is there to do? Actually, this one won't be live till tomorrow, so... Yeah, well. We're recording it on National Podcast Day anyway. We have to get ours in on Thursday when we can because Friday, you know what, deer season opens tomorrow. But it's pouring down rain, so I don't know if I'm going to go or not. Uh, Mikey's down there now. Getting re- things ready? Yeah, he's, he's putting out some blinds and a couple of areas we've been seeing. we got some persimmon trees dropping. So you got to get on the persimmons in hunting season. What does that mean? Persimmon tree. You know what a wild persimmon tree is? It's I may like not a, know what a wild persimmon tree is, but. Deer, it's like. Deer crack. Really? Like you don't have to bait. There is no, you know, it's, you it's God's way of baiting. It's God's way of baiting. Yeah. It's God's way of baiting. Mississippi, we can't throw out any bait anymore, so we got to hunt the natural resources. And I found, so I don't know, there's been several persimmon trees on the property, but this year it's been a bumper crop for persimmons. I've found <laughs> probably, man, we've probably found a dozen more big persimmon trees. What is we a found persimmon? a ton of musky. It's a, is it kind of like a muskydine? No, a no, pear? it's a, it's a, it's got seed in it and like a stone fruit. I don't know if it's a stone fruit, but it's kind of a, uh, it's some type of, it's not, it's kind of, I've never tasted them, but they say they're real bitter, but they get sweeter as the, as they ripen. And I don't know, it's kind of akin to a plum, I would say. It kind of reminds me of a plum. It's kind of orange looking when it ripens though. I don't exactly know what kind of fruit it is. I've never, I know if you split them in half and you see, I don't know if it's spoons or knives or whatever the seeds look like when you cut them in half. It means you're going to have a bad winter. You have to look up look up all the I'm persimmon. looking at it, but it's just a bunch of – it's not telling me what it's yeah. like. It's giving me what family it's from. and What, is it close to a plum or something? Um, but it doesn't have a stone center because you can cut all the way through it. All I know is deer, <laughs> is deer crack. Anyway. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> I don't um, know how we got on that, but Mikey's down there putting out some deer blinds on some seven trees. We've seen we've got cameras on and seen a bunch of deer on. So good, good. That's luck. my check it in deer hunting. <laughs> um, this past weekend we did the Water Tower Rib Cookoff. We did the first uh, ever contest that we've been on the organizing side of. Yes, yes. Um, I've cooked that contest several times back in the day. It was it's always been a non sanctioned contest here in Hernando, and it was mainly meant for um, local guys that want to come out, yeah, and, and it's definitely a know, local contest. Yeah, bring their grills out, amateur backyard local contest. Cook some, cook, compete in a barbecue contest, basically. And we, when we started doing KCBS and cooking a lot more of those, there was always like Murfreesboro, Seventeenth Street, Praise the Lord Barbecue is always that weekend. Yeah, 
And I've had to miss it this year. I hate I had to miss it this year. But we used to, you know, we'd go to that. Or there's some other contests that are always that weekend. There's several NBN contests that weekend. There was one, I think, the pig picking or one of the ones down in the Delta was this past weekend, too. So, we, you know, we just, it, we've always been on the road. And if I wasn't, I would come to Hernando and hang out with my buddies and go out there and we'd, you know, cook and hang out and have a big time. Like two years ago, we did the Post Oak Malone team. Yeah. We made a, tower. we combined Swine Life Barbecue, Tennessee Mojo, and us. And this was like a month, a couple months after Jay had just won uh, the Memphis MA ribs. Yeah. So. So he cooked real. We were a power team. Yeah. And we didn't place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even think we got a top three, do we? <laughs> no. I probably just had fun. Yeah. I won the top three beer drinking contest that day. <laughs> Did y'all even <laughs> turn in <Why>? anything? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't I don't think I turned in anything. Anyway, so we made a power team and we called it Post Oak Malone. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we got t shirts made. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we were gonna bring them back this year, but we decided to help. Yeah. So they tapped us to help, and we said, yeah. Yeah, and it was – you don't realize how much work goes into organizing a contest. It started months ago, and we – you did really good about kind of keeping a spreadsheet and keeping us on track of all the duties we had to do. Because we had to find judges. We had to find judges for every team. We had to get the team signed up. Had to secure the meat. Yeah. Had to do a, a judge's training meeting. Mm-hmm. Had to do a cook's meeting. Uh, we did all this the week of, um, but we had to buy, I mean, just from everything you have to buy to make it happen, tent rentals, chairs, make sure you go lay out the spots. All the teams are going to fit the grass, the, the, the grease and ash barrels, uh, coordinating it, coordinating the, all the uh, way down to the pencils that in, the judges yeah, use. Setting up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, pencils. You, got to, you had to do plenty of beer. Somebody had to go get the donuts. <laughs> Somebody had to make Bloody Marys. That was all stuff I did. <laughs> I pretty much stayed in the judging area and made sure it was lined out. But no, it was great. It was really fun. It was, it was fun. a lot of good. It was a lot of hard work. Um, you know, we'd had 30 judges. So we, we wanted to make sure that we had a judge for every team. That way we could run what well, we ran five tables of six mm-hmm. judges and everybody. Got great scores on it, like um, so. You knew you were going to get six even scores. Yeah, we kind of spread our judges out, and we provided them. We meat. ran the table captains ourselves, yeah. so we knew that the boxes were flowing through. It was all blind entry. We didn't know any team names. We did the ticket system. You developed a whole scoring system, built a spreadsheet for it. We had the uh, as the entries came in, we took them over to the tabulating uh, counter. Which was Miss Cheyenne running the program, and she would finish. She would have a category score just usually five minutes after we were done judging it, and that went for steak, wings, and ri- and kids and ribs. Yeah. So we were ready to do awards within thirty minutes. We were after running thirty t- basically thirty entries or thirty six, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you came, you showed up at seven a.m. and you were going, you were heading home by four thirty five o'clock. Yeah, it was it was smooth. Yeah. That part was smooth. I mean, there were some hiccups along the way, things we, you know, <laughs> um, we should have pulled not... the judging table back a little bit because there were just some, at one time I noticed there were just some random people walking in there looking to see what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, what are these people doing? Man? You can't be walking up in here. There's official judging going on. They're I sitting think they down. were just like. Saw the beer cooler, said yeah. free beer. We're going to hear them watch. <laughs> I saw some people walk <laughs> in. They just wanted to sit down and eat their, like. Nachos yeah, that are carried around for the fun. Yeah. Man, what you know what surprised me was how many people the weather was beautiful for one. Yeah. But how many people came out to the Water Tower Festival? 
And Tyler, y'all, um, you and Ireland went around and was doing a lot of social and taking pictures and stuff. That day. You, you posted some of that stuff on the shop page, right? Yeah, we posted about 57 just of all the vendors, arts and crafts, people supporting. There were some pictures of the teams. I mean, it was it was a huge event. I mean, way bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, they had a car show. They had a kid zone. They had the wild animal rescue people there. Oh, yeah, they um, had owls and falcons. and Oh, I know. The lady, like, walked over to the Malcolm Shop booth, and she just ha- totally had a hawk, like, and we were like, <laughs> what is happening? And I think she was actually, yeah, so I don't remember why she came over there, but it was just crazy. She had a hawk on her shoulder. Yeah. The, there was a lady from there that actually judged for her. She came yeah. to the judges' training, mm-hmm. and she, she came back and on Saturday. I think she was working that stand and then yeah. or their little info booth, and then she came over and judged, so. The, the judging started face at... Face painting. They had, a, they had a lot of stuff. They had yeah, bands had playing band, that yeah, afternoon. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. Um, a lot of fun. Biggest, one of the best water tower turnouts they've had. The, um, the weather that had, had a lot to do with it. It had been this weekend. It sucked. Pouring <laughs> yeah. rain right now. Could you imagine trying to having to do all that in the rain? No. I'm like, see, that, we got lucky. We did one. Now if we retire from organizing contests. <laughs> We're going like, out yeah, of I remember success. that time. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> Can't top it. So let's quit. Okay. That's our, now we go back to cooking. It'll Something be, I really want to do. It'll be like Memphis and May. You've got like a different memory for every year. Yeah. Can you the imagine? The time that it rained, the time that it got cold, the time that it was hot. Oh, you know, like. suck. I wouldn't want to. I'd like it to be that perfect time and that's it. That's it. That's it. The contest over. Um, we did have one little hiccup during judging. We realized right before judging started that we did not print enough judging <laughs> slips for sheet. You panicked. We we completely panicked. <laughs> but Luckily, there was a bank on the square that allowed us to go in there and make copies of our score yeah. sheet. So after you decided to, <laughs> <laughs> so we had we had Shell's expedition parked around the corner, and Shell's like, I got to run back to the shop and print these. So you took off. And we had it like in this in a regular parking spot, you know, angle parking spot. I don't had the see curb a stop. Had a curb, pretty good drop off on the curb. Then it had one of these big concrete curb stops. <laughs> and so that's, you know, normally so your vehicle, you no, know, you pull up, if your tires bump on it, you've gone far enough. Shell just goes over it. Like it's, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of so, options. <laughs> there was no, hey guys. Y'all, I'm going to back out of here. Let's open that barrier and drive around. <laughs> no, you were full-blown panic, weren't you? <laughs> to top it off, Tyler, when I found out, I come back over there, and the car's like completely parked the opposite direction it was. And so not only did you go, I said, Shell, I understand the heat of the moment. You got to get out of this parking lot. <laughs> but once we, did you have to come back over the curb and then the curb stop? <laughs> I'm sure there's like, there's no telling what it did to the undercarriage of the car. It did not do anything to the undercarriage. <laughs> Have you noticed any funny rattlings or anything lately? I paid very close attention when I was pulling over it. Nothing scraped. I wish I had sent. Ireland I wish down we'd there. had that on film. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Shell tearing ass over, the, over this curb stop right there to go print some more scorecards. Uh-huh. <laughs> It wasn't that bad. I don't see the problem in driving over. <laughs> so I just tore off one of the rails and then busted out of the water, an oil filter or whatever. It's, it's good. I, cars are utilitarian. If you tear them up, you just get you another one, right? <laughs> they're not meant to tank. be like. <laughs> <laughs> they're not meant to be like showy. But we realized, so we realized that problem before kids, before the kids judge it. Yeah, so it didn't yeah. really phase it. Yeah. You made it happen. Uh, I think Mikey made that one happen. Yeah. But um, awards went good. We went through them pretty quick. I hate 
long, long boring awards. Oh, yeah. So I love the ticket awards, though. Yeah. Where you don't know, like you go up there with the list and all you've got is numbers and places. Yeah. You have no idea who's won anything. When you call them out, you see. And ours were spread out really good. I think there was a. There was one person that. Um, one, uh, pit, the pit crew, they won second place in steak and first, first place, place win wings. wings. Yeah. And so the rest of it was all spread out. So that means there were, what, eight different teams that, yeah. that got called out yeah. of the nine categories? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's I think a good. So too. That's a, to me that shows the scores are spread out good. Everybody had a good chance, a fair chance. Yeah. Next year, I would like to see um, a grand champion, and I don't know why I didn't, we didn't think about it. We were because we were thinking it was a rib shootout, and I mean, the other two contests were kind of ancillary. Yeah. Next year, I want the, steak, the ribs, the wings, out. the ribs to be all the same, pay out the same. A grand champion, you can do a grand champion from all of it. I think that would be Where? even better. People, would, you can get more people want to cook it. A cum- cumulative, yeah, grand yeah. Champion. You take the you take your three totals and tell how you did across all three, and you're the grand. It's kind of like KCBS does. Yeah, that way it would mean the ribs, the wings, and the steak, and they'd be just as important as the ribs. Yeah, because there was two teams that missed turning on wings. I hated that too. Yeah, you know we uh we were I won't say we were lenient because we had to stick by rules, but if you were five minutes late. On the turning window, you can't get scored. Yeah, you were just, you know, if you're, com- if you're, if we see you standing in line or, you know, we see, hey, man, there comes a guy out of the box, he's cutting it close, that's one thing. But if you're five, 10, 15, one of you was 15 minutes late, we were like already getting ready to start rib judging. Yeah. Here's my wings. Like, man, them scores have been calculated. <laughs> <laughs> but those two that happens. I understand. I mean, miss a turn in. I've done it one time at the Jack. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say I don't we think we ever it, have. We did it with sauce at the Jack. Yeah, which doesn't count. I mean, it doesn't count towards a, a grand champion. Yeah, at the Jack. That was <laughs> that was a good one so, though because we missed it by a full hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think sauce has already been turned in, or we didn't. Know, I don't know how we didn't know. I, well, probably because of drinking too much Jack Daniels. <laughs> but Mark Lambert was cooking with us that year, and he was going to run the boxes. And he eased up there with that sauce cup, and I guess he noticed people were turning in boxes instead of sauce cups. And he said, uh, has sauce already been turned in? <laughs> he just kind of had it by his back. He said, oh, okay, thank you. He just brought that on back to the trailer. <laughs> we missed that. We knew we were dead-ass last in that one. I was like, well, maybe, maybe they'll bring us some luck on these other categories. It did not. It did not. <laughs> but hey. Hey, you got to be tough at the jack. You do. You it might have been the year you got off. the 180 dessert, though. Uh, no, it was the next year or the next two years later. I got the 180 in dessert. Um, so anyway, all in all, it was a good, a good, uh, rib cook off. Oh yeah. What did you learn from, uh, organizing your first contest? Um, what did I learn? Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot more work than so, I expected. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it was. It fun. was a lot of work. There's always going to be problems that pop up, but um, you know, as long as you got, I learned that you need some, you need some good volunteers to help because mm-hmm. you're only as good as the people helping you do a contest like that. And so all of us stayed busy. I mean, from Tyler walking around and jumping in and helping with judges, turn the tables, and and from you know, Mark Mikey. and Jamie and yeah, you know, Mikey and Jamie out at the at the barbecue booth and. Mark kind of running interference and answering questions around the grounds and all that. And, and loading. You kind of keeping it all under control and the people running the turn in table for us. I mean, it was, 
Emily and Melissa. It was it was a lot. It was a lot of work. Yeah, it you required a lot, a lot of, of hands. People. Yeah, it's not just something a couple of people can do. Because we had, I understand why they have organizers and they have reps. Because the reps kind of handle the problems or whatever, mm-hmm. the contest stuff, and the organizers do all the other stuff that's unseen. Yeah, I realize why you need so many people to judge now. Like yeah. you need, you really do need a table captain at every table. Yeah, you do. It makes it run so much smoother, mm-hmm. and they, they kind of control stuff. And you know, we, I mean, we, we did it um, as smooth as I've ever done. Because I've, ju- you know, we've judged contests before, and I thought it went as smooth as any I've ever been to. Yeah, as far as the judging side went. Yeah, the tables move fast. The entries flowed through. No, no box set on the table too long, and we did them one at a time instead of like comparative judging. So every box went through each judge one at a time, and it was it ran like clockwork. Yeah, we were kicking did. them out, man. It was like every time I turned around, there was a new box at the table. Yeah, and it was reset, yeah. and everything was good to go. So that's the biggest thing coming from a cook standpoint is that when I turn my entry in, I'm gonna turn it in as warm as I possibly can, but I don't want it to just sit on the table in a box. Mm-mm. And there I know have it's been losing. Yeah, where that's yeah, yeah, there have been where they get backed up. You want them flowing, and that's the table captain's job to constantly go get the next box to make sure they're moving through, make sure the judges aren't lollygagging or whatever. I mean, you want them to give a fair shake and make sure all your scores are getting uh, marked, you know. And that's kind of what, what I did on the table I ran. I didn't look at each individual score. I just kind of would make sure my cards were properly filled out. Yeah, they weren't sitting there long. If a judge needed something, you know, we kind of got them reset everything, got them a new scorecard, all that good stuff that goes with making it run smooth. And as long as you got some people that can do that, you can you can turn out some entries. Yeah. And then you got to have a good you got to have a good uh, score enter. You got to yeah, have somebody that can put all that stuff in. Somebody that is focused and really good with numbers, like yeah, Cheyenne. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I would say I learned uh, that it takes a lot more people than I expected it to. Yeah. That's the biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. You need help. And I also learned that if we do it again next year, I I want to keep it, a, you know, improve on what we have, but not really. Not make it too big. Oh, yeah. can you imagine doing a, a monster one? Say if you were trying to organize. Like a 151. Yeah, like Memphis and May or the Royal or one of those monster ones. Gosh, I can't take the people uh-uh. it would take to do that. I want to keep it about 30, 40 people. <laughs> That's local ideal, backyard. I know why I like 30 team contest. <laughs> 30-team contests are ideal. I think so, too. They've always seemed to run smooth and quick and yep. stuff. It's a good balance of tables. I don't think we had, like, a table of death or anything. Or table, I mean, they were all equally spread out, just looking at the scores. I think there was only one, like, one low score that I remember seeing after looking back through the scores, and it was just obvious, you know, across that table that that was not a good entry. Yeah. But in the backyard, <laughs> you're going to see that. You're going to see some really good stuff. We had one perfect score. And ribs, ribs yeah. yeah. So that would have been the grand champion this year, then probably. Mm, um, it, well, the the deal with the grand champion is you would take your rib score, your wing score, and your uh, steak score yeah. and uh, combine it and get a who had the best overall. overall. I got gotcha. you. So if you missed a wing turn in, you You're were automatically right. out. Yeah. Okay. You wouldn't be able to make that grand champion. There's something to be said. I mean, do you like the so the cumulative where it's. A combined total, or do you like like MBN does the highest category? So, I mean, they just said that. So, like, basically, kinda, you don't have to cook steak and wings if you wanted to. Yeah, the shot at winning the grand with the rib. That's different though, because it's all com- comparative judging and it's just a different form of judging. I like I like the com- cumulative. I would rather have the cumulative because I feel like if you get a first a place ribs too. and the grand champion, you know, like yeah. you would get a first place something and the grand champion yeah. if that was the case. 
a cumulative, you kind of open it up for someone else. You know, yeah, they could have gotten third place in every category. Yeah, through fours, and maybe that was the high score of the day. Yeah, so I do like that. So you you open it up, and it and it makes it more of a team sport too, because a lot of times you'll have somebody doing wings, somebody doing steaks, somebody doing ribs. It's not one man trying to do it all or whatever. Yeah, I like that aspect of it because it makes it more communal, more team. You know. So um, today on our main topic, I wanted to talk to you about the rules of cooking barbecue. And are there rules? Are there set in stone rules? And I, so. I made a list of like the rule number one, don't use lighter fluid. <laughs> that was on here. <laughs> unless I have seen you use lighter fluid. Unless you don't have any other options <laughs> that didn't burn off the lighter fluid. <laughs> so it's not a rule. Is no, it a rule? No, it's not a rule. It's kind of a I don't know of any rules. I mean, I guess We'll talk about it. Do you have some? Have you have you got some rules that you made up? Yeah, I feel like because I feel like you boys, y'all might have a rule, but then you'll break that rule a lot. My one of my main rules is try to stay sanitary, meaning don't put raw meat on a cut board that you know you're gonna be using for prepared, you know, cooked yeah, meat. Yeah, I have watch uh, contamination with you know chicken. You know, that's just a good example. I have raw meat. chicken touches something. You better sanitize everything. Use gloves as often as you can to keep you know things clean. One of my um, things was don't put uh, raw meat on a wood cutting board. That's a good rule. Rule, but yeah. you can do it. I've seen people do it all the time. I wouldn't do it, <laughs> but I don't like. But I, there are is a safe way to do it. Yeah. To me, it's just such a pain in my behind to. I think. don't know. I don't. I mean, even though you clean it and sanitize it, I've never seen that research on that. I would think that eventually, if you left some raw chicken on a wood cutting board, that it could get down. There's a possibility it could get down in the wood. And I say no matter if, it's if you sealed just, properly. Yeah, yeah. If it's, I mean, I just wouldn't chance it. But I use raw you, chicken on plastic or yeah. throwaway. It's just such a. It's so easy to uh, clean a plastic. Don't wash chicken. I've seen people wash chicken. Don't ever wash chicken. You're contaminating everything around your sink when you do that. And what all you got? You've got more of a risk of spreading bacteria washing poultry than you do just go ahead and take it out of the package and cook it. Now, if you want to wipe it off a paper towel, get the moisture off of it, that's fine. But you need to make sure you're cleaning that area up. All that's going in the garbage. You probably need to wear gloves. Chicken, I, you just don't want to be chicken sick. That's the main thing. <laughs> that's chicken your number one. Yes, that's my number one. Don't get don't get chicken sick myself, and don't get anybody else chicken sick. Um, it's it's misery. The other day, I did Can't rinse out a a whole chicken because it had ice still in there, and I wanted to put it on the you pit pretty the quickly. I rinsed it out in the sink. How'd you clean it? Heck yeah, light salted, <laughs> light salt all, all around the counter, everywhere. everything. Because you don't realize how much stuff splashes yeah. and stuff goes somewhere. I got the back splash. And just because it's got water doesn't mean it's killing anything. You got to hit it with some kind of bleach or chemical spray like Lysol or some kind of anti-disinfected soap or something. You got to get all that. I always go in first with Lysol, wipe it all down, then come back with my regular one. cleaner. I learned that in microbiology. That's what we use more Lysol and pepper towels in the microbiology lab in college. It was like everything had to be first. First, you lysol it, then you went back with a sponge and hot water and soap, and then you lysol it again. It's the only way to get everything clean. Really, a double lysol and a double hot lysol. soap. Um. So the reason that I really even came up with this idea is because one of the rules that you've preached before is never apply sugar to meat too early, or it'll burn. Uh, right. 
It depends. <laughs> Everything. But you did that in the recipe. Well, a lot of our rubs have sugar in them. Yeah. And they can burn, but it's like, it's not like you want to. If I was going to know I'm cooking something that's super high heat, like if I'm grilling grilling something like a steak or chicken or something like that, I'm not putting anything super sugary on it, on direct heat, on high heat, because it's going to caramelize fast. And that's what's going to give you that burn flavor. But if you're if you're staying like low and slow cooking, you can use you know, you could use a it cup all of brown long. sugar. Yeah, you can spritz with apple <laughs> juice, you can do all that. It's I mean it's gonna turn it dark. You're gonna get a darker looking bark. But that a lot of that don't use too much sugar is kind of a competition thing when you're worried about appearance too. You don't want that too dark a looking bark. But you, you can wait. You it can. can burn. Yeah, it can. It, it at is. certain temperatures it's gonna over caramelize. It'll go past that. Uh, mahogany stage of, of of look, and it'll get more black and bitter. That's what that's a that so that is a good rule to watch it. I mean, just if you know if you're going to be using something with a higher sugar content, keep those tips more on the low side, or wait till the end. Maybe yeah. like when you glaze, you'll glaze over oh, high yeah. heat, but you do it at the very end. Most yeah, most of them I don't glaze over very high heat. Most of the time we've letting the cooker come down to glaze. You know, or your indirect or indirect heat, yeah. The quick, I mean, it's just going to burn if you don't. Yeah. That's why you'll see, like, if I'm caramelizing something, I'm saying don't walk away from it. Stay right there with it because that sugar can turn. It goes from caramelized to burnt real, you know, sometimes Quickly. in a matter of minutes. So, yeah, you just have to know that in effect. But, uh, I mean, like, a lot of the rubs and stuff you see out there have a high sugar content. Especially, I mean, the sweeter ones, definitely. That's yeah. That's what's in them, sugar. So you can use them and just, just have to know that you're going to get a darker bark. That's what it amounts to. And that pork butt you cooked for the um, pulled pork Benedict. I had definitely had a darker, darker it bark. It was pretty. It was beautiful and tasted good. It wasn't burnt. Yeah. It just yeah. had a darker bark. Yeah. And that's because of the sugar content. Um, Always remove mib- rib membranes. That's a rule number two. <laughs> I can't stand ribs with a membrane left on them. And if I go to your restaurant and you got it, I'm probably not going back. And I'm not going to ribs then. I, I love, just I like a rib membrane cook. That's so nasty. Why do you want to eat that old film? <laughs> it's crunchy. Oh, it's not good at all. <laughs> yes, it is. There's nothing about it. <laughs> do you prefer your ribs with a membrane on? No, them? I'm not saying I prefer them. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't turn my nose up at it. Really? I see it as like a little treat. A bonus. <laughs> a yeah, bonus. bonus eating rib membrane? <laughs> Free chicharrones. Yeah. It's like chicken like, skin, like you're eating yeah. rib skin. Maybe you need to deep fry it and see how it is. I can't stand it. It's like, uh, it's not crispy at all. Mostly it's chewy and you can't even chew it up. You just spit it out when you get through chewing on it? Or? It's like my gum. <laughs> Have you ever had it? You ever had rib membrane? Did y'all take it off at Uncle Bubba's? Do you remember? Sometimes. Some, most of the time, not. Most of the time. Most rest, a lot of restaurants don't. It just yeah. takes so much yeah, time. Yeah, it takes so much And they're not going to buy them already uh, membrane peeled because it costs more per pound. So a lot of times they'll run it on there. Or what you will see them do is they'll take a knife on the back and score it like four or five times. And it kind of makes it to where it's it cooks, it shrinks more. It's still there. It just shrinks up some <laughs> where they've scored it. But, yeah, take the membrane off your ribs. It's if, not hard. If I was cooking ribs for uh, somebody would you pull it off yeah definitely but not for yourself like, oh these are my ribs I've been home. <laughs> I, want, I like them a little tough on the backside. can't get any smoking seasoning on them 
<laughs> when you're at a restaurant, they don't put smoking seasoning or at least seasoning on the backside anyway most yeah. time. You know, they cut corners. Always let meat rest before cutting it. Absolutely. And I don't care if people are proven that's wrong or not. To me, I've, I've done it enough times where I cut into something and all the juice runs out. You just let it calm down. It's so much better. I agree. And the bigger the cut, the you know, the longer you can rest it. But, I mean, the one time I probably don't let something rest, like maybe a hamburger. If I've grilled up a hamburger, I'm not going to let it sit there five to seven minutes before I eat it. But a steak, I'm always going to do it. Uh, chicken, maybe not as much. Like a whole chicken, yeah, I'd definitely let it rest a little bit. But if I'm eating a chicken leg, I'll take it off the grill. I'm probably going to eat that chicken leg. <laughs> Juice going to be running. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's that's just a good that's a that's another one of those good rules. It's when I cook those little pork tenderloins in the oven. Let them rest. Let them rest. I, I can tell a difference if I'm in a hurry and cut them immediately. Yeah. Or I, if I, I let them rest. I think so. There's been studies on it that say, oh, it's you know you're wasting your time letting the steak rest. Uh, I, I to me, I can tell a big difference than cutting right into it all the juice on the plate as versus sitting and let there and calm down. Now, there's oh. still some juice that comes out when you sit and let there and calm down. Yeah. It's great for dipping, but it's not near as much. And it seems like the bites are juicier and tender. I agree. After I let it calm down, quit cooking. Um, how long do you let it rest? The thinner the meat, the shorter the time. So like a, a decent size, one pound, 16 ounce steak. It's about a quarter, you know, inch and a quarter thick, something like that. Like a ribeye. Yep. Five minutes. That's about it. That's all it needs. Five, so it ain't that big. Yeah. It ain't it's that still big carrying big. over at that time. It's still Smoking hot. I just think it just calms it down, lets it relax a little bit. It just got a better chew, better mouthfeel. I left I left a dot in pork tenderloins that I cooked, I think it was last night. For dinner, yeah. Yeah. Um, and left that dot in while I sat there. It rose for another fifteen minutes probably. How far did it go? Uh I Five pulled it at one thirty eight ish and it went up to one fifty four. Five. Dang, that's a big carryover. Yeah, it was a. I was a. Yeah. Because I kept hitting it uh, five minutes up, five minutes, yeah. up, you know, on my dot. Yeah, yeah, just seeing what it would do. Not five minutes, five degrees up. Yeah. Just that's, to see what so it, it went up over 10 degrees. Mm hmm. It did. It was rocking and rolling. <laughs> it was 425 in there. Yeah. Y'all should do that and out the smoke. Test it. You know? Test carryover and juice. That's a good mm -hmm. one. See how much juice is like. For cut. That is a good one. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Test the rest. We did a similar recipe. Yeah, we. I mean, that was with Tim. That went with juice. I want to see is that juicier? Oh yeah. You cook a cook a ribeye steak. Is it juicy as soon as you take it off? The, I mean, you know, cut it off the grill, or if it let, let it sit there and rest ten minutes, see Let's which see. one's juicier, or which one has more juice in the plate. Cutting right into it and letting it sit, like cutting it up, but don't eat it. Yeah. Cut it up and let it sit versus the one just sitting there, and then measure the amount of liquid. And then which one was, I guess you'd have to try some of the first one that you immediately cut to get the mouth. Because they should, mm -hmm. I don't know, it might make it tougher to cut it and let it sit there in the air. We're going to find out. That's it's a good a hard one. thing to Test quantify. the rest. Out the smoke. <laughs> um, so oil on a grate. Always. But after it's, uh, after the fire's been lit, I've heard that aerosol, you can't use aerosol on the grill after fires lit when i googled it it said uh, it's very dangerous too <laughs> i did it the it's other flammable night. i mean i do it all the time but i <laughs> you know skeet skeet it I don't, <laughs> I don't just hammer down you just go hosing it down chance you start to get a good fireball going 
But if um, you get a little bit, I mean, I, we do it. I mean, for instance, cooking steaks at steak contest. We got our grill grates on there. We're getting them seasoned up. We're hitting them. You know, I hit them a couple times with duck fat and let it cook down. I'll spray it again while it's still getting hot and cooking. It's kind of seasoning it, letting it, it's making a nonstick barrier because we're kind of reseasoning that grate surface or whatever it is. That's the whole point in doing it. So stuff won't stick to it. So it's a good rule, but uh, you don't necessarily follow it. Just the the rule should be always oil your grates. That's <laughs> how rule. you decide to do that. Yeah. Is you need to do you? it prior to cooking, before you put meat on, and at the end of cooking. That's well, when you do it. Why do you put it at the end of cooking? So it's so it does, so it's nice and prep for the next time, and you know it promotes less, you know, rust from being on there, less build up from being on there, or whatever. Because that heat, that heat that's left over is going to kind of cook it down a little bit, help that nonstick surface develop. Well, what about this? So there's some people that say, have you ever heard people say that they do not clean their pits because you're removing the, fl- that's flavor? Yeah, but them are nasty people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get what they're saying. They're talking about they don't go through there, spray chemicals in them, scrub them down and all that. They want some of that natural seasoning in the pit. But if you get there comes a point in time where you're going to build up grease because as the meat cooks out and it gets in the smoke, it gets everything a little bit greasy. You're going to build up carbon on it. And if you don't get that stuff out, it's going to get hot and it's going to flake and get in your food. And it's just, it's not good for you for one. It's not, doesn't taste good. So you got to clean your grates and clean your grills. I ain't saying you got to detail them every single time you cook on them because you do want some of that good flavor. It makes it taste like barbecue, but you don't want all the debris and the nastiness that comes with it. And, you know, you got to clean the pits. There's always, you always got to do that. Mine's got like two cooks before it's like caked and stuff. And, it and then you to, need to be re- clean. Yeah. It. It's not deep clean every time. Like sometimes I, it's just scraping some yeah. of that gunk off. Well, you need it. like just, I mean, a simple citrus cleaner. It's like non-toxic. It's, it's got, it's like, you know, it's probably water, citrus oil. Um, that's what, clean, and it's, it's almost like cleaning our cutting boards with the lemon and salt. That's what the, you use in those cleaners. They're non-toxic. You know, they're safe. You can spray them on there. You don't have to hose them down with water. You can spray that stuff on there and wipe it down. You want to put a little warm water or something in there, you can do that and then put another little light coat of oil on it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to get in there with the putty chisel and pressure washer and all that every time. Just get you a decent citrus cleaner. Clean your grates. Clean your grates with it, yep. I always like to have clean grates. Now, I mean, this is one of those do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I was my grills, and My grills aren't always clean. I burned off some fuzzy yeah. stuff off some grill grates. <laughs> Man, the egg. When you close the egg up, it doesn't get a whole. It doesn't move any air through it. Somehow moisture still gets in there, and it'll make fuzzies grow quick on some grill grates. The egg is the it's quickest. The worst. You need one to. It needs to be in a backwoods. Yeah, if I leave it open, dirt daubers will get all up in there. <laughs> so I have to shut it down. And that's another thing. I like to preheat. Like I'll I'll burn out my grills every once in a while. Get get them good and hot. Just go through a good seasoning on them. Clean them. It's easy. To, it's easier to do it on a hot grill to me than it is. A, just an old cold grist been sitting. I'll have to get a, get a good fire in it, burn everything out, and start back over. Reseason, re, you know, scrape out anything that needs scraping off, and go to cooking. Does it matter? Tell you what I want. Okay. I'm getting, you're getting away from this. about <laughs> cleaning grates. Okay. Have y'all seen, I know you've probably seen some of these TikToks, Tyler, where it's uh, it's like a rod with a little fork on it. And it sticks in an onion because onion's really a great those. grill cleaner. And they use them on expanded metal grates, use them on bar grates, but I need me one of those. It's an onion holder. Onion. For cleaning grills. Great. I don't even know what you call them. A lot of, you see them a lot of like uh, 
uh, Latin American, Mexican style cooking. Those guys will be using them when they're cooking them on their grills. I feel like I need one of those to do my grapes with. Uh, I'm always looking for a good Christmas gift idea. There you go. Onion grill cleaner. <laughs> I, I imagine you get a little flavor from the onion, maybe too. Probably so. It's got oils in it. I guess it's just yeah. a good natural cleaner. I don't um, know why they use onion. I really don't. Why wouldn't you stick a potato on there? Scrub it. <laughs> Is there more something on the onion? Is it onion? I don't know. Onion. You know, I've heard that onion will uh, sanitize a room. Like if you if you got a cold, you could take half an onion and put it in a bowl by your bed, and it'll absorb all the. I think you're just gonna smell onion. I don't know. <laughs> Supposedly, it absorbs. I've germs heard that before. That's why you're not supposed to eat a, a cut onion. Yeah, like because, if it's been sitting out for. Or just a, put it in your refrigerator, cut and not wrapped yeah. up or something. Because it'll absorb all the bad stuff. Maybe somebody wants to send us an email and explain that to us. Does it matter if you actually rub your seasonings into the meat? No. I like to pat. <laughs> you does do it matter pat. If, Does it matter if you pat? I don't know. It just does it to depend me, on the it's meat? A, I just like feeling it. I like you know, <laughs> making sure i got good coverage. I'm touching. I don't know. what It's a habit. Does it make a difference on if you just shake it and go? Probably not. But it's just one of those things. That's a habit I developed. Some, There's some stuff. I've never there. seen anybody just rub it. Have you like get over into it? Just go, <laughs> like, <laughs> go to kneading it like you're trying to give it a Swedish. <laughs> you get deep tissue on there, working it in. That's that wood fire and whiskey guy. That's what he got popular off of. Just sitting in front of the camera, just rub, rubbing on rubbing me. It. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a patter. <laughs> I like patting it on. That makes it stick. Makes it adhere. Yeah. Keeps it from falling off. So I guess rub, rubbing it yeah, in. Don't could. rub your meat. Huh? Don't rub your meat too long. If you rub it more than twice, you're playing with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rule. Does that apply to there? That's a good rule. Uh, that if you rub list. it more, if you pat it more than twice, you're playing with it. Just pat it and go on. <laughs> that's a good t-shirt. That's a good t-shirt. Always baste your meats. Uh, I'm gonna call some pe- some people. I've, there's are been true plenty. There's been, believers in basting and mopping and yeah. I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Can you baste it? Sure, if you want to. But it, I mean, do you it, have to? Do you have to? No. Yeah. I, there's been plenty of times where I throw throw a butt on a pit and go to bed. <laughs> get it up. I did it on the last recipe. You think it would have made a difference if I would have basted that every two hours? Got up, set me an alarm, stayed up all night, basted it. Would it, it I got the same result. I don't I think, think it would have so. been that much difference. Now, I mean, if you're trying to make something the absolute best. And you're really worried about the appearance of it. You're wanting to make sure you're adding, you know, more season that it's cooking. And you want to add some moisture on there and keep it cooking even and all that. That's basin's fine. But I mean, do you need to babysit every little single every piece of meat you put on a pit and make sure you go out there? No. Uh, I would make the argument that opening the pit is going to affect it a little bit more, more so than basting, especially yeah. if you're putting a cold base on yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to base, you want to make sure it's at least room temp, but. Especially on that warm's good too. That pork butt that you just put on and let go overnight on a pellet grill. I imagine if you're opening that pellet grill every two hours, oh, it's going to slow it down. Yeah. You're going to put more time on it every single time. Every time you open it, you're going to put more time on it. Okay. I mean, okay. I understand why they do. Some people cook at high heat, and high heat's going to dry that meat out more. And so you need to put some more moisture on there. So there's times when basting is really important. A lot of times, basting, like say if you're grilling, you got a bunch of chicken going, and you want to. You know, get some more flavors on. You've got different flavors in your base or whatever you're mopping with. That's a great time to do it. So it adds flavor too in some some instances. Yeah, and I think but ribs. Th- but always, there's no always. <laughs> That's it. I'm 
Yeah. Figuring out what is always. Yeah. What is always? What is a rule that you always have to do? Low and slow is the only way to cook barbecue. Uh, that's false. <laughs> low and slow. It's a great way, but is it? Some people have that theory. Is it the only way? No. Is it the best way? Probably yes. I will. No, but also yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like saying that. No, but also yes. Because I think that the longer you keep a bigger piece of meat in some heat to where the fat can really render, you're not pushing it through these the change like you do with high heat cooking, that it, it just turns out juicier. It turns out better. You're not denaturing it as fast. You're giving everything time to kind of break down at a slower rate inside the smoke. So it's juicier, it's tender, it tastes better. Now, can you get it done hot and fast and you know, and turn out some good stuff? Yeah. But I think you could really tell a dif- difference in texture. I would be willing to guess, and I do not know this for a fact, but I'd be willing to guess that the top 10 KCBS cookers right now have cooked all their meat hot and fast. Oh, yeah, I bet so too. So I nobody so that's too, on the top 10. The deal is with that is. Again, it's a different story. The deal is with that is you're putting in. They're not. You're not putting in a ton of meat off these big cuts. They've got briskets cut down to where they're steak size. They've got butts trimmed down so far, and they're only putting a little bit in there and cooking. They're cooking key muscles. If you had to showcase a whole cut of meat like that, say if you had a whole pork butt, and you got a judge off the, the judges sitting right there in front of you, and they get to pull anything they want off that pork butt. Do you think that hot and fast butt's going to be as good as a slow, low and slow one, no. or a brisket that they're you know that one. Now, brisket, you can you, you trim it down that small. I mean, it's one there thing. There is a but, big difference between that hot and fast brisket I, I and a so low too. and slow brisket. Once you eject it up, you do all this stuff to it, though, and you you know tenderize it and do everything they do. It's just not the same. You can't compare. You can't, you can't compare contest cooking to what you would do at home. You take a whole brisket and try to cook it hot and fast. It's going to be as one of the cook seventeen eighteen hours low and slow. It's no comparison to me. Can you marinate too long? Some people yes. say you can. Yeah, it, it, it'll change the it changes the eventually whatever's in that marinade is going to change the texture of that protein and make it mushy. That's what it's going to do to it. How, um, what's your marinade time? It depends on the size of the meat. Thinner, thinner, smaller cuts don't need near as long. Larger cuts need way longer. Usually, a marinade is only going to get in like say if you got a whole pork butt and you're going to try to marinate it, you're probably only going to get. Maybe two inches inside that meat deep down. It's not going to penetrate all the way down, but it's going to change that texture, that outer, whatever you have it in. Because a lot of times they put, you know, vinegars in there, lots of salt, sugars in a marinade. A lot of times, different things that'll work on it. That's going to break that meat down. You probably, like, if you left it in there for a week, it'd probably go ahead and get all and break it all the way down. Probably, <laughs> probably dissolve it eventually. You left it in there long enough. Probably. We've left chicken and stuff like that and marinades longer than they were recommended. Yeah, I've left, I mean, overnight. <laughs> yeah, you know, overnight. I usually don't leave them a couple of days or anything. Brining you can because it's a different process. What? You don't use, it's mainly water with some salt and sugar, and it's just kind of equal itself out. So you're going to have a same concentration, but eventually uh, the brine, even the brine would probably eventually turn, change the meat texture. If you think about, if you think about the way a ham tastes, the way the meat's tighter and it's kind of cured from the salts and sugars, that's what it's eventually going to do to it. It's going to change the texture of the protein. So if you don't mind that hammy-like texture, leave it in there a long time. Let it turn to ham. 
I mean, brisket pastrami does it. To, you know, yeah. brisket does it. The corned beef, it kind of does the same thing. It yeah, changes we've the done texture that. Of it. Yeah. yeah, it will. Um, I do like marinating though. I think it gives a lot of flavor on stuff, especially smaller cuts. Yeah, chicken. Um, that's where I think it shines. Marinade some chicken thighs and uh, even pork up. pork chops do great in marinade. Like cut up more more stuff. I marinate. I don't never marinate big stuff really. It's always small stuff that I'm usually grilling, not yeah. smoking. I just don't think it does as well. But when you put something over charred meat and you've got all the different flavors on the outside, it really goes good with it. You can tell the difference in something that's been you know had some marinade on it versus some plain. Definitely with just chicken seasoning. and, and yeah. the smaller cuts of pork for sure. Those little pork tender ones, like you talking about earlier they do really good in the marinade mm-hmm. they pick up some great flavors chicken like a jerk marinade oh man you can't beat that <laughs> love a good jerk marinade always soak skewers before using on a grill that's a good rule if you're gonna use wooden ones metal ones it ain't gonna make no difference you might rust them i can't tell you how many times you've grilled stuff and like we don't have time to soak them let's just go <laughs> just a good rule <laughs> how many times have you saved my skewers burn up too a bunch a bunch <laughs> it's a good rule Soak the wooden skewers. How do you handle flare-ups on a grill? Um, either a water bottle close by, never never, never hurt to squirt it out. One of the best ways is to get that food off that hot flame and close the lid and let the oxygen put it out. But lack of oxygen will put out flames. So, you know, some flare-ups are good, though. I want some flare-ups. That gives me some charred, charred action. Yeah. If I'm grilling, you just... It, watching what you're cooking and knowing how much grease is dripping out, or how, if you're putting extra oil on it when you're basting or mar- you know something like that, that's going that's going to put some fire to it too. But just moving something away from the direct flame and having you a little water on hand, uh, put those out. If it's a real grease fire, water ain't gonna do no good though. You know, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Mama always throw on grease. Is it flour or something like that? Bacon or soda. Or- bacon soda. Yeah. Yeah. If you gotten that far in your pit, something's wrong. Yeah. Bad wrong. Kill that oxygen. Get that fire. That's the best thing. Just kill Close that oxygen. Vent and kill yeah. that oxygen. But watch it when you flare it back up, though, because it'll 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 blow back up on you. Don't use wire grill brushes. Um. Don't use cheap wire grill brushes. <laughs> so I How googled about that this. One? Between 2002 <clears throat> and 2014, 1,700 Americans had to go to the emergency room after accidentally ingesting wire br- bristles. What do you think those were made? All those within those years between what was it, O two and fourteen? O two and fourteen. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think those wire brushes were made or bought from? I'm sure China. Big box stores in China. Yeah. That's how you complain. <laughs> you didn't hear it here. <laughs> Have you ever found those a wire in your food? Reported, no, no. Uh, and I always thought it was just I mean, a, you know I've, urban I've, legend. Yeah. No, it's it's happened. I don't know anybody personally that's ever had one stuck in their throat, but I've seen it. I've seen like. Well, you can't believe what you see on yeah. the internet. Facebook. Yeah. But yeah, 1,700 Americans. That's a lot. That's, yeah. I mean, that was 12 years. How many people have grilled in those 12 years, too? Yeah. Small a little over 100 a year. <laughs> a little over 100. <laughs> Is that what that amounts to? A little over 100 a year? <laughs> Out of the billions of fires built? Pressing mm-hmm. an indention into a burger before grilling will make it not poof up. Is that a rule? Yeah, Is that that's true? the rule for me. I always put a thumbprint in my burgers. Does it make a Heck difference? Yeah. Heck yeah, it does. What? I think it absolutely does. Have you ever put a circle made it like donut? Mm, yeah. Well, I've got them out of the meat counter like that. If you ever notice in the meat counter, they'll have them indented or a circle in them. They'll close up when you cook it. But 
all it wants to turn in, like, I guess it's the, the way the fat's rendering the meat's cooking. If you don't have some kind of depression in it, it wants to turn into a meatball. That's a good rule. Doesn't happen in frozen patties. I'll explain that. Why does a Bubba burger not? I don't know, because it's preformed. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I don't know. Maybe that's why I like the Bubba Burgers. Because they don't poof up. Because they don't poof up and turn into meatballs. Uh, um, don't put meat on a grill right after you light it. Let it burn off impurities. Is that a thing? Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, and also no. Yes, and also no. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Like, so if you're starting a charcoal fire, you want to let the coals get established and get hot and preheat the grill up. But there's a lot of times where we add extra coals to a fire. And I don't let those pre burn. I just have, or I do like a snake method, and they're always kind of, kind of, uh, you know, using heat and and, yeah. and igniting on their own as needed. So you still get some of that burn off in there. But I think it goes back to you're gonna. It, it needs to get established and get the air flowing. That's when you're gonna really get some some bad flavor, the impurities of the charcoal or whatever it is that's burning. That's the first initial burn. Once you've got some heat established in the grill. Once that fire's got plenty of oxygen, it's already burning and stuff, it'll use those unlit coals in a more natural way to where it's not putting off all that the bad flavors. Because I know everybody's seen it. They've started a chimney of charcoal, and it'll smoke like crazy when you first light it up. But eventually it clears out, and those coals get hot. There might be some still fresh on top, and it's eventually going to burn those, but they're not smoking like a dragon as soon as they start up. So, so it's the amount, possibly? Um, it's probably, yeah, it probably has to do with the amount, the heat that's already in that fire chamber, wherever it's burning, it's probably got a lot to do with it. I honestly don't know the science behind that. I just know that it don't taste the same. Like, you don't get yeah. that same flavor in the in the air and the smoke. All that dirty, what I call dirty smoke, is on startup. And that's why you want to burn that off and get it running clean, get the airflow proper and your heat going before you put any meat on it. So here's. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So this um kind of goes off that. Don't shock a cold steak with a hot heat. Is that a real thing? Like you're supposed mm. to let your steaks come up to room temp? No, I don't think that's a real thing. So you would have no problem going refrigerator to to grill if I yeah or cooler to grill. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. With the steak, a lot of times it's going to make it cook faster if really? it's if it's. Room temp, like you've already got some temp oh, up yeah, on it, yeah. And so the thicker steak, like if I want to slow it down, I just want to get the outside cooked good, you know. If I'm, but if I'm just like grilling and not reverse searing and stuff, I don't think I'd want it cooler. So I don't think that's really. I mean, I always say let something sit out the room temp just because it's kind of even already. But I don't think it really it's a rule. Would you do it with a big cut of meat? Man, there's been time I put it on froze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just got to roll what you got. <laughs> Naturally, you would want it to set out, in come a up a little world. bit, the perfect world. You know, you don't want it too cold, but you don't want it too hot either. You want it in that safe zone, you know, not too, you know. I'd like it to be about 45-ish, I guess, 43-ish internal when I put it on. I don't want it 70, you know. I don't want, you know, I don't know how much bacteria has been growing yeah. when it's up that high. But, uh, Could you tell a difference between uh, something you put on frozen? No, not in the instance where we were doing it. Because <laughs> we're pulling it all and we're pulling it on serving it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to load and go. Things um, didn't thaw out like you wanted. You pull the turkey necks out later. Ship <laughs> 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 it back at all. You just get the get the wrapper off of it, put it on. It's going to defrost. <laughs> Smoker's got a defrost cycle. You didn't know that? It'll eventually thaw out up there. 
Or you can take it off, then you can re-season it and get it up to tip, get it to where you can work it. It happens. <laughs> do what you gotta do. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Hey, half a barbecue is just figuring it out. That's that's what that's rule number one. Figure it out. Yeah. You should Learn from your mistakes. Yeah, it takes a lot of common sense to barbecue. Because there's so many factors that rely on other factors. You it's a lot know? of gray area. It's yeah. no black and white. That's what's great about it. That's the it's not bacon. You know. Yeah. Bacon is not. You know, you don't bake by feel. You bake by precise measurements, times, and barbecue. It's scientific, yeah. yeah. Barbecue is not. And when you try to make it that way, that's when it makes it not fun. Yeah. I don't know. Some people like that. <laughs> some people might get off on, you know, getting all scientific about it. Yeah, some people are very structured. Yeah. Um. So, have you ever heard that don't season steaks before they cook? To wait till after they cook. Have you heard that before? I've heard some people say, yeah, but only use salt. Only use salt. That's a purist. And hey, man, if that floats your boat, you go to salt them at the end and just cook that meat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to eat mine my way. The TikTok peanut yeah. gallery talking Heck usually. Yeah. yeah. And I heavily season. <laughs> I like it seasoned. I do too. I like everything seasoned. I like my women well seasoned. <laughs> have you um so this was like something that i feel like everybody knows this but there was a a debate on it does bone-in meat have more flavor than bone-out meat when you cook it Mm, i think so i think definitely have you ever eaten meat around a bone it's delicious (laughs) it's the best thing it cooks out cooks out all that goodness that's in that bone don't it I know the bone helps it, you know, retain heat and radiate heat, and so it'll cook, help stuff cook faster a lot of times. A steak on a bone or something like that, you know, because once you get that bone hot, it's going to cook pretty quick, on, you know, all around it. So you think uh, if you cooked like a filet and a strip separately and then cooked a porterhouse, that the porterhouse might cook faster if they're the same weights? Um, not necessarily there. You know, that's a good question, I see what Tyler. you're asking. I see what you're saying. Does that – I would say I would think you could cook them both individually faster, cut off. I think the bone just as it because you talk about porterhouse, the big old steak. Yeah, it takes it a little bit longer to get that bone up hot. Once you do, it's going to radiate more heat and it can cook stuff over. Yeah, and that, that's basically that. But it as it's carrying over, it's yeah. still basically radiating that heat. That's it's right. Like it's going to carry over and radiate heat too. When you put that rotisserie through a rod through a piece of meat, the rod heats up. Yep, you're not going to get that nice pretty. Medium rare prime rib if it's on a pit. Yeah. That makes sense. That have makes sense to me. Big old hole in a brown spot. So does it taste better, though? I'm going to say, yeah. I like the meat on a bone. And I, and, I, and I don't know if I don't have anything to back that up other than the I've ate a bunch of meat on bones. It tastes good to me. <laughs> chicken wings. Yeah, chicken prime wings. Example. Do you like boneless wings, which is just cut up breast, or do you like chicken on a bone? Chicken wing tastes way better than chicken breast, don't it? They like chicken nuggets. Like I, I don't know. I don't like boneless. I like chicken. my chicken breast on a bone. I prefer bone in breast you because do. you get more flavor from that meat that's on the. I think you get more flavor on it. Yeah. You don't like chicken breast? I mean, they're just bland, especially. Do you think? What do you think? Boneless, skinless thighs. Do you like that thigh better on a bone, or do you like it's juicier on a bone? I, yeah. Cut off. Yeah, it's juicier on a bone. You know, that's when we turn it in KCBS on a bone. Oh. I've tried it, boneless. It does not do well. <laughs> it dries out a little more too. The bone helps hold in moisture. You know, you know, you know, you're not damaging the meat as much cutting it off the bone as you would. 
So you're retaining those. Yeah. Let's just go with bone in tastes better. I agree. Uh, one more. I read somewhere that if the how to figure out whether you cook direct or indirect, if food takes less than 20 minutes to cook, go direct. If it takes longer, use indirect. Well, I, I could, yeah, I can say That's that. A good rule of thumb, rule maybe. Of thumb. Yeah. But is it, I, you know, and that really to me goes by the size of the, you know, what, what it is, like how big it is or how thick it is. Because I've seen you cook stuff indirect that you most people would have cooked direct. Like what? Like a reverse sear, sear steak oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, I mean, it, you're just using different techniques. That's a, you can you can use different ones, but I think that's a good general rule of thumb. If it's going to take you longer than 20 minutes to cook it, it's probably going to be in, you're probably going to cook it indirect most of the time because you're going to burn the crap out of it if you got it direct to eat over 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you think of something. What's, what's something you would cook direct for twenty minutes over fire? That was I mean, chicken thighs, but that don't even. You're it's not more like them, ten. Yeah, you're not direct. Steaks cook. about ten, eight. Yeah, to 10. If you're grilling something. Yeah, that I'm, might need to say ten minutes. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you though. I see where you're going with that question. That's. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of lost train of thought on that one. I know, like, we used to do 30-ounce porterhouses at Longhorn, and they would take a long time to come up to temp, depending on how you were cooking it, you know? Yeah, but would they cook them, like, off heat, so kind of indirect, and then they'd put them over there and sear them at the end, or? Yeah, it might have been on the cool. It's usually. Or they would sear them first and then move them over and let them come up. It really would depend on how busy we were and how full the grill was, you know? But yeah. for the most part, I would say it was cooked on the cold side of the grill and then. Or the cool then brought side over and seared up, yeah. over the hot, but I guess it's all kind of over fire. Just yeah. See, and that's when I think of direct heat, I'm thinking just filling the grill up with coals like a Weber kettle. And yeah, like just, you would do, like yeah, the state contest. The PK, it's no all indirect. filled up. Yes. But what, say, so once you do a two zone fire, which I like to do most of the time now, I used to just fill them up and go to cooking. But now I usually try to keep me a hot and cool side where I'm still kind of direct the whole time, the, that style the of cooking, but I got the option to move it over all away from the heat. It's still directly. Over it, you know, kind of close to it or whatever. I've but, got questions about this Longhorn Longhorn Grill, uh, <laughs> the steakhouse, yeah, Longhorn Steakhouse. So, how many people were running that grill? Uh, so, on uh, just we'll assume it's a busy like Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be two. You're going to have your flat top guy, and you're going to have your guy over on the fire grill or a charcoal grill or whatever. Um, and they kind of just switch back and forth, kind of depending on what's going on at the time. But I mean, that's the the grills go out constantly because there's so much stuff on them. Like, like pa- it's all packed in. I don't know why that matters. I don't. You guys might be able to explain that to me, but it uh, the it's messing the go, airflow up. Yeah, probably. the grills go out all the time, so they have to be reset and stuff. But I mean, are they actually like charcoal? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Are they charcoal? What yeah, kind of like grill the, is it? the fire grill is an actual charcoal grill. The really? one on the side is just a regular flat top. At least a Longhorn. I can't speak for yeah. the other yeah. restaurants. Huh. But. So they were actually adding coals mm-hmm. to the fire throughout the shift. What kind of coals do they use? I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a bag that says Longhorn because they have their own food oh, manufacturer. Yeah. So, well, I bet they had some kind of element in there that heated the coals up to get them burned and get that yeah. thing. So that's probably what they were having to do is mm-hmm. cut the oven back on or whatever, or the grill back on. But people would get mad. You know, they sit there and order a 30-ounce porterhouse steak, and you can't you can't get that to come up to temperature, you know, yeah. during a slow shift fast, never mind the other way. But And a lot of times people want it done medium well, well done. Well, that's going to take a long time to get yeah. up to temp, you know. Dang, you have an hour wait. Yeah. Take with that 16-ounce ribeye. Unless you got, like, make yeah. humor. That's what you go with. You know it takes eight minutes. It's done, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And no I imagine longer. they're cooking a lot of 16 ounce ribeyes, you mm, know? Probably so. The only thing that sucks, in my opinion, is that they put it under a heat lamp after. So it's really never, I, would, I mean, I guess it's kind of resting under there, but depending on how fast you can get somebody to run that food out, I mean, it sits there for a little while. That's why they put that steak love butter on top. Yeah. I like butter on steak. I'm not, Me too. you know, knocking it or anything like that, but that also kind of gives it a moisture. So so the tip is order a degree or two underneath what you want at Longhorn? Yes. Well, you can get it faster and you can, and they're not going to dry it out in the heat lamp. Yeah. I do a lot of times. I'll order rare a lot of times. It's very rare that a, a, not a high end steak, you know, lesser end steakhouse, I guess you would say, brings them out exactly how you want them. Yeah. Yeah. Used to, Texas Roadhouse was on point. That was like my medium level steakhouse. You oh, know, you're going to go great. there, you're going to get your ribeye, it's going to be cooked, you know. You get a boot Probably more medium. Yeah, yeah. You get a boot of beer, a Texarito, whatever. That was your Huey's steak. That was version. my Huey's. Yeah, that was my <laughs> Huey's. Yeah. That's my burger joint, average burger joint. You got to beat that average. And now it's not. Like, you've been to Texas Roadhouse lately. It sucks. All those chain restaurants are. I guess it's just, I don't know. I, you get used to cooking things a certain way and they turn out. Like, you can't compare what you can cook at home to what you're going out to get. Like, where would you go if you're going to get a, if you're going to go get a steak tonight? You don't have reservations anywhere. You're here. Como. Como Steakhouse. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's a good call. You know what you're getting. Yeah. I'd probably say Capital Grill. You don't have to have, you probably don't have, to have a reservation there tonight. Mm-mm. It's about one of the best ones around. You walk in. I've never been. Yeah. Never been to Capital Grill. I was they're also good. a Darden restaurant, but the yeah. ones that they hold to a higher standard. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Where's Chris is up there? I guess it's pretty good. You don't like you don't like it. Do <laughs> I don't like Grace Chris. Why not? It tastes like boiled steak. They, I don't. I'm not a salamander type. You're not, yeah, you brand. don't want your seared that hot and fast. Mm-mm. I guess that's why I like Como because it's. Charcoal it's grill. charcoal grill. You ever heard of Firebirds? I heard that's kind of that they have really good steaks uh, and stuff. I've, I've never heard been, that, I, but I've never been. Yeah, there's one out in Cordova. I think mm-hmm. I've never been to it. I have to try that. Yeah, I'd, I'd put that on the list. Try it out. Next year's uh, employee appreciation will be a steak dinner. Ste- yeah, and <laughs> so a steak brawl. That's right. Well, what's up next, Malcolm? What are, what recipe are you cooking next week? Have you decided? Next. No. This week, barbecue for breakfast came out, or yeah. pulled pork Benedict. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing next week. Yeah, it's on the list. I hadn't looked at it. I need to. I'll do some more wings probably this week. For I did a what was the last wing I did? The TX wing. Yeah. Yeah. The next one's going to be mango habanero. Ooh. My take on. Are you going to make take. your own sauce? Or are you going to buy the one that's just buffalo wild wings? Oh no, no, no! I'm going to make up one. I've got some of those uh, Melinda's. They've got. She's. They sent me some to try, and one of them was a. Um, a mango preserve, and then they had a habanero hot sauce, and then they had a habanero like a I don't know was it just a eating sauce or something? Yeah. It was a, and so I'm gonna whip up my version of a mango habanero sauce using those. Pres- I've got a recipe already. I just got you know, I've sat down, started working on my idea. I got to tune it up this weekend. So. Are y'all gonna fry any of these? Or these you- this one will be fried. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one's gonna be fried. I don't know what I'm gonna use to fry them in. If I'm gonna, I have to go to Sam's and get some frying oil. Stuff went up. It's like fifty dollars a box now. Wow! I had to just go with the old countertop Dutch oven, put it on the induction. Cook <laughs> it's your fry daddy. Yeah, give me a fry daddy. I, believe it or not, I was looking on Amazon for one the other day. Like, what if it's raining? I don't want to go outside. I need something. I don't have a small fryer for the indoor. Um, our next big event, I guess we've got Royal Oak. We've got the Royal Oak Invitational. I'm going to uh, next week. I'm going Thursday up to Indiana to. Outlaws headquarters, and we're going to do a contest up there 
And uh, and then the next week, I'm going gonna over to Georgia. And you're going to pick up a new outlaw pit. Picking up a new outlaw pit, too. I'm taking it to Georgia and cooking on it. And um, so I got I got to do I got to do got to record a recipe before I go out of town next week. Mm-hmm. What's on the list? Do you have any idea? Uh, you we sat down months ago. Fatty. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Might do that. So I'll come up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what on, was on the schedule yeah. for this week. Your uh, last of your football foods. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a real good one. I'll do a jalapeno popper style. And then it starts getting into all your um. Holiday recipes. Time to start planning holidays. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's your first favorite holiday coming up on Thanksgiving, or is that still yeah. second? <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving? No, it's my first. <laughs> favorite holidays coming up. All right, cool. Thanksgiving's my favorite. Well, that's all I have today, Mount. That's it? Yep. Hey, well, tell them where they can find us, Shell. That's all I got. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ, right? On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok and of course YouTube. <laughs> if you like to, all of them. <laughs> if you like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram and TikTok. And y'all make sure you check out the new TikTok recipes going live this week over on How to Barbecue Right. And you can find me at TikTok underscore Tyler on Instagram or TikTok Tyler on Twitter. And get the app. Get the app. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't ever forget about the app. All of Malcolm's favorite recipes, all in one place for you to find. <laughs> on your Android or Apple device, right? Yes, sir. And it's free. <laughs> all right well hey it was fun hanging out with y'all today we will be back next week with more fun stuff to talk about we'll see y'all next time